Sunday. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. One day right down in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream. Welcome to the Ambassador Podcast a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yo, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to The Ambassador. Uh, The Ambassador is a biblically informed Christian coalition that engages issues of religion, race, and culture in ways that pursue reconciliation. I am your host, Jared Cole, and I am joined today by my co-host, Persia Gambles. Hello. And Miss Tracy Spears. What's up? Yeah. And so, man, if this is your first time tuning in to The Ambassador, what you can expect from us is really just biblically informed, honest dialogue and open conversation. And so uh, what we aim to do is create a space where tough conversations are the norm and where we can come together in humility, unity, and boldness. So how y'all doing, y'all? I mean, I feel good. Wow, that was a deep breath, Persia. <laughs> Why are you feeling, girl? <laughs> you know, the oxygen is free, so yeah, I want to get some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, f- I feel really good. good. It's been okay. a good couple weeks, and yeah. Yeah, anything, anything special? <laughs> anything pop up you want to share with the folks? <laughs> I mean, shoot, no. No, y'all good. What about you, Trace? I mean, we had a great Juneteenth celebration in oh, Persia. Come on, come on, come on now. A See? lot of dancing. Man. A lot of eating. Yes. Okay. There was I, a barbecue. We did throw a kickback that was really, really good mm-hmm. um, for Juneteenth. And a lot of people around the area where we are didn't know what Juneteenth is, obviously, because mm-hmm. we're in Iowa. But um, it was it was such a good experience for me um, coming from Texas because it was like, you know, such a thing that my family would and still does celebrate, yep. but then now to get to educate all my like friends and new family about it was really cool, That's and it good. was just it was so fun. It was what the kids call a vibe. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super encouraging for sure to see yeah, people yeah. come out and learn and just have a good time, celebrate. Yeah. I saw some videos, man. Y'all was dancing. <laughs> I hope, I hope some of y'all that follow the ambassador, man, follow Persia and Tracy on, on Instagram, man. That was, that was so funny to see. And for your next event, like, please have Tracy be the DJ because she wow, is gifted. That, that's did, did an do honor it? I don't deserve right now. I did it? go off. Oh, I did okay, go off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, we celebrated uh, Juneteenth as well. Uh, my wife and I, we took another couple down to the lake. We had a great time, man. We kicked it like we would kick it for the 4th of July, man. Just, yes. you know what I'm saying? Made some great food, went on the boat, took the kids, went swimming, hopped in the water. It was great. It was great, man. It was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's hop into this next episode, man. First of all, I just want to, um, again, thank everybody who's been tuning in. Uh, you guys have been great. We love having the conversation. You guys, please feel free to hit us up in the DMs, uh, ask us any questions you may want to ask us. If you guys have any uh, episode requests, anything you want us to talk about, any kind of topics, go ahead and send us those as well. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and you can hit us up in our in our email as well. Um, man, we, we just love to carry on conversation with you guys. So, um, man, our first episode was on 
unity in the church. Uh, it was so much fun to talk about that with you guys. Uh, and so we're going to go ahead and jump into our second episode. Uh, and today we're going to talk about the anger of black folks, mm. the anger of black folks. I, th- I think it's a, it's a topic that um, nobody really talks about too often. Right there's uh, so many stigmas around the anger of black folks, uh, the angry black man, the angry black woman, right? And and it's 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 something that needs to be talked about, right? Because there's I feel like as minorities in a in a majority culture, we are uh, uh, walking around with the burden on our shoulders, <laughs> but then at the same time, uh, walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. right? Hoping to at some point get across our narrative, have people understand like where we come from, but then at the same time, not wanting to push away mm-hmm. uh, or, or we feel a sense of needing to kind of dance around some of the issues, man, that, that we deal with on, on a regular basis. <clears throat> and so uh, I think to open up this topic, I want to read this quote, um, a man, a prophet of his time, <laughs> mm-hmm. James Baldwin, man, he, he had this quote that says uh, something like this about the anger of black folks. He says, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage almost all of the time and in one's work. And part of the rage is this. It isn't only what is happening to you, but it's what's happening all around you and all of the time in the face of the most extraordinary and criminal indifference indifference of most white people in this country and their ignorance. Now, since this is so, it's a great temptation to simplify the issues under the illusion that if you, simply, if you simplify them enough, people will recognize them. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say, I think this, is, this illusion is very dangerous because in fact, it isn't the way it works. A complex thing can't be made simple. You simply have to try to deal with it in all of its complexity and hope to get that complexity across. And man, so this, this isn't the first time I've read this quote. This probably isn't the first time uh, you guys, Persia and Tracy, have read this quote. <clears throat> I come across this quote pretty often. Uh, uh, but it's, it's so crazy just to think about uh, how timely it is even for our time right now, right? I've, I've come across this quote so many times and I can just hear Baldwin's unique and prophetic voice mm-hmm. every single time I hear it. And so uh, this quote was actually said in a radio interview back in 1961. Mm-hmm. We're in 2020 now, and I, and I could, uh, Baldwin can say this thing on radio right now, on a podcast right now. He could <laughs> put this thing on Instagram live right now, and it would ring just as true, mm. right? And so real quick, Persh, I want you to give me a, maybe a one-minute take on mm-hmm. listening to this quote uh, where does that take you? Where does that put you at? Um, well, a couple things come to mind. One, um, probably that it, it is super maddening how pertinent uh, this quote is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, 60 years ago uh, would have been the year that my mother was born. You said this came out in 1961. My, mom was, my mother was born in 1960. Wow. So for that to be, you know, dang, this is how black people feel yeah. then. Yeah. Sorry if this gives away my mom's age too much. But, like, <laughs> if, if that's how she would have felt then, then what does that say for, for now in terms of, of progress, in terms of, of movement toward equality, equity, justice, if we're still crying the same song, mm-hmm. if we're still singing the wow. same song? Mm-hmm. Um, then I also think about the fact that, like, man, it— it has just always been hard to be black, you know? And I don't mean to, to oversimplify that or anything like that, but think about it. 
Considering 1800s, early 1900s, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, each and every one of those decades or periods in, 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 in American history, it's been hard to be black. This is tentatively the easiest it's been to be black in our country mm-hmm. since 1776, yet it is still very difficult. It is still profusely difficult to be black. Mm-hmm. That's good. Dang. Yeah, what about you, Trace? Yeah, I think that's exactly true. When I think of the ability to be conscious as a black person in America is a heavy weight to carry mm-hmm. because it's a reminder that, man, the realities of which we live in, we have to actually carry the emotion and the experience to feel pushed aside, silence, forgotten, um, continuously waiting for progress while people around us are like, man, we don't. We don't see it or we don't want to see it or we don't want to hear it. And that's that's a heavy burden to carry mm-hmm. what it feels like to, to walk around and experience life as a black person in America. But I think also what that quote makes me think of is for those in our lives, like our the majority culture, for the, the white people in our lives who start to enter in and start to have eyes to see, I think they, they should at least start to realize that they can't be numb to the realities and have to enter in. And so I think even on that flip side of like for a white person to become conscious of the experience of a black person, brings it should bring grief and lamenting uh-huh. and a willingness to have spirit-driven action towards what black people are trying yeah. to screen for people to enter into. That's so. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so good, man. And I, and I think what you both are lending to Persia, when you when you talk about this kind of walk through history, <laughs> you know, you 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 number off these 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 dates, these years, these events, off by decades, and there's been the same experience by black people over and over again. Right. Uh, I come back to this video that's circulating around social media right now with these three uh these three men mm-hmm. in this video. And there's an older gentleman. He might be like in his older 40s, upper 40s. There's this uh, younger gentleman who is in his early 30s. And then there's this 18-year-old mm-hmm. <laughs> in this video. And they're at you know one of these protests, one of these riots. And you can just see the anger and the emotion on the older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see the anger and the, and the emotion on the 18-year-old and the one in the middle. He's acting as a type of mediator. <laughs> you know, they're representing three different generations, uh, but the anger that's just spanning across time is, is, is right there all in one video. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the anger of the older gentleman and, and the mediator trying to mediate, man, like, I don't want, talking to the 18-year-old, I don't want you when you're 49 to be at an event like this <laughs> saying the things that this older gentleman is saying, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. man, I'm, I'm sure that conversation has gone on once before, mm. you know, and yet mm-hmm. 2020, mm-hmm. here we are, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think to get a better understanding, when you're talking about these years, Persian, you're talking about becoming conscious, uh, a, way to, a way to do that, a way to understand kind of, kind of what we're walking into is, is to understand not only our current reality, but also our historical reality, mm. you know. So we actually have to, have to take a look back on history if we're going to get a proper understanding of our current reality mm-hmm. and then also to, to, to step forward with a hope-filled heart mm-hmm. <laughs> into the future, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so what, what really happens is that the majority culture primarily, what we tend to do <clears throat> is that we, 
we think of history in, in one of two ways, really, right? One way we like to think of history is we either romanticize a particular part of history, and I've articulated this many times before, but uh, we tend to look at World War I or World War II or the Confederacy even, and that's a controversy topic right now, a controversial topic. Uh, but we can look at some of those events, that time period, and talk about the 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 strength of America. We can talk about the progress of America. We can talk about the winningness of America. And then we, we create this nationalistic idea of this um, prominent, this powerful, this, you know, uh, 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 this, this ever progressing America, right? Which isn't really true in the eyes of mm-hmm. everybody that lives on this land, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to see things through a different lens, uh, but majority culture tends to not understand that, mm-hmm. right? And so whenever our, our viewpoint of, of, of how we view America comes up, it's not very readily understood, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to be conscious and understand that, we have to have a right view mm-hmm. of history, a collective history, right? Not just the one that we've all been told and kind of indoctrinated under, mm-hmm. right? But we've got to have a more robust understanding of that. And so uh, the second way... Sorry, yeah, go ahead, I, don't, I don't want to... Yeah. But I, a prevalent question that gets asked like at parties or, or mm-hmm. small group, things like that, mm-hmm. um, things of that nature, is like, what's a time period yeah. that you would like mm-hmm. to go back to wow. or like, you know, revisit if you could travel time, <laughs> da 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 And... I literally want to tell people, I'm not trying to go back to any time before like 1968, depending on the state. You know what I mean? Like legitimately. because You trying to say you ain't trying to make America great again? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's legitimate. No, but but like legitimately. Like if somebody's like, oh, I would love to go back to the 30s or the 40s or the 20s. You know, Mm. black people were catching Mm. hell in the 20s. I'm not trying to go. Why would I? You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. questions like that to majority culture feel Mm -hmm. so comfortable because that history is good, good. Mm -hmm. but but it's a blanketed history. It's it's a very limited history because you're not thinking about what America was like for everyone Mm. during that time. Yeah. Yeah, That's good. I think that points to, too, Persia, as you say that, like Americans are so individualistic that it's hard to actually see outside of themselves. And what we're trying to say is like, especially as believers, like we actually have the collective idea of what it means to be and Mm -hmm. care for other people. But we want to be people that so freely wants to think of ourselves that we forget that there's people outside of us that's hurting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a fall. Yeah. Uh, talk about this. It's a little off, off, off script, man, but this question just popping up in my mind, right? I've had a conversation about this just recently, even before coming here mm-hmm. uh, to record this podcast. But um, we as minorities and all three of us, like we've spent a significant amount of time in majority culture, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Uh, something I'm trying to articulate is this idea behind a... I'm not even sure what to call it. If it's a if it's a privilege on our part, <laughs> you know, or if it's a maybe a gift and a curse type of type of situation, but we've been able to enter into a majority culture. We've been able to uh, go to their schools, excel in their schools, learn their history, go in their homes, <laughs> right? Rock their babies asleep, <laughs> you know, and so we're actually. Uh, we're able to adapt into a culture, you know, that's not even attempting to adapt into ours, yeah. right? And so can you can you talk a little bit about that and just shed some light on kind of what that means uh, for us and what that means for us trying to, um, man, just help be open and open this conversation to the majority culture so that they, they can ultimately come and look through our lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I think I think it, it, I'm not sure if I have a, a perfect like like this is my answer A B C D but I do think of uh, all the all of the families people individual couples that I that I do know majority culture people that mm-hmm. I know that I've been invite like whose life I've been invited into mm-hmm. um, and I mean it just feels like I have to. Like I learn a lot when I experience life with them, yeah. but mm-hmm. there's a part of my life I, I often feel I hold back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a part of my everyday life, my experiences, my past, present, and hopefully my future um, that that often feels like will ruin the moment mm-hmm. if I bring it up, mm-hmm. or if I say, you know. Just something that 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 is attributed to my blackness, mm-hmm. it will I don't know just put a wrinkle in you know this perfect picturesque uh-huh. moment of like oh we have a black friend and she's great oh, and yeah. you know what I'm saying, um, yeah yeah I think you say something really good I think even as you ask that Jared one of the things that I was thinking about it's like I think a part of me sometimes wonders if my blackness will be a burden uh-huh. to those around me. And so it becomes easier to to want to to limit that part, just like what Persia was saying. Um, not that I even think that the majority culture like realizes that, but that's just the burden that uh-huh. I think as we talk about the consciousness of being black, it's the awareness that, yeah, if I do express this part of me, it could ruin the moment or it could make uh-huh. people uncomfortable. So uh-huh. I have to, I want to to love the people around me well. And sometimes at trying to love the people around me well, it it silences myself. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that like both the things you guys are articulating here is, is this idea we talked about a little bit earlier about walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. You know, just this reality that there's this, there's this tension that we're feeling, this kind of heavy-shouldered burden of... That can well up in a, in a type of anger, mm-hmm. right? But then we we often shift that anger into I want to be careful, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about that, right? The the reality when it comes to a lot of the things that we're articulating here is that if anybody was experiencing these kind of things, they would be angry, <laughs> you know. They would want to express how they feel about this, whether it be looking back on a history, trying to invite people in to look on that history, invite people into our current situation and, and invite them into this future hope that we have. Um, but, you know, this, this, this idea of being angry, being, being a black person, there's a, there's, a, there's a stereotype that comes with that, mm-hmm. right? There's this, this idea of being mm-hmm. the angry black person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody wants to be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's, this, it's this idea that you're talking about something in a way that you're really expressing your raw emotion, mm-hmm. and I don't like it because it's making me feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? I don't like it because you're looking intimidating right now, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't like it because you're sounding ungrateful, mm. you know? You're sounding like you're complaining. What is there to complain about? And I think we that, into slavery. That's right. That's why right. why are you slavery. upset? <laughs> did we you had see a what, black president. We had a black MLK president. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oprah, yeah. she does a lot for, you know, yeah. like that's right. so much. Yeah. That's right, that's right. And so, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, We've got to dispel that myth of the angry black person. Like that, that, that can't be something that's believed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be a collective conscience 
in America, if we're gonna if we're gonna take real forward progress steps in this, there can't be any more expressions from our majority brothers and sisters who are going to say, at least firstly, right, thank you for the way that you articulated that. Thank you for the way you said that. You said that in such a polite and calm way. Mm -hmm. Thank you for Mm -hmm. being patient, Mm -hmm. you know, as if we're expected to be so patient after over 400 years now, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I, I feel like especially in the body of Christ, there's got to be a willingness to afford this 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 ability to just let go, you know, and and, and that's kind of what we're hoping to to, to provide here, mm-hmm. um, not only for the majority culture to come in and learn and, and, and invite these conversations, but also a space for us as Black people to fully represent, to fully vent, you know. And so, yeah, you guys can talk about this. I I, I know there's. There's different ways to think about this. The angry black person, the angry black man, but then there's also the angry black yeah. woman, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I would love to hear, you know, from you guys, what's been your experience with that? And, 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 and tell us, uh, man, how, where can we go from here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think for anger in general, um, like black anger in general, um, it, it, it gets so truncated into this like stigma of, of, you know, what majority culture thinks, you know, negative emotions from black people are. But something that 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 it also is is dismissive. Mm-hmm. Anger in and of itself is a secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. So that means it lies under this it like anger is what you see at the tip of the iceberg, but usually underneath that is a myriad, a mural of a bunch of other emotions like sadness, loss of power, depression, uh I mean, so anxiety. You know, there there's so many other um, things that come with the 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 ten. There's another ninety percent of the ten percent that people see, which is my anger, mm-hmm. um, and then also the angry black woman trope um, in and of itself. It's one that follows many women, and it ends up weaponizing a, our own hurt against us. Yeah. Um, I think that it usually sucks black women. It sucks that black women usually have plenty of reason to be angry, but that anger often gets silenced or muted um, to make other people around them comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'll, hopefully, I'll, I'll talk about this later, but I've just mm-hmm. been asked to calm down so yeah. many times, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or or say that, if you could just say that another way, or if you could, uh-huh. you know, just bring this in a little bit more. No. Mm. No. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I think like, even as you were saying the part about being muted, I think what happens when people are tone policing or saying like, Mm -hmm. hey, the way that you are expressing your anger, like a true emotion Mm -hmm. is actually wrong. And so that again reaffirms that me actually living out human emotions is wrong, that I don't matter, that what I experience doesn't matter. And so let's just push that aside. And that doesn't give me an opportunity to actually like walk towards healing. If you continue to tell me to be silent, if you continue continue to tell me that I can't express what I actually feel, then how am I supposed to move forward towards actual righteous anger or even actual processing of what hurt I have? That's good. Yeah. So, um, Persia, I know you have some some personal experience. Dig dig a little bit more into that, right? Because I, I I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this. Um, uh, so many people 
don't have, <laughs> they're not afforded the voice to, to kind of voice this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I think your personal experience will resonate super well uh, with some of the young black women who are going to be listening to this podcast, you know, so, so help give us a little bit of voice to some experience that you've experienced and potentially some that um, they've experienced elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, tons of context, like, like from, you know, where I'm from in Texas, mm-hmm. pre- predominantly white mm-hmm. Lubbock, you yeah. know, um, I just think the unadulterated nature with how I communicate and how I, Part of it is just how I am. Mm. If you if you know the Enneagram, I'm an eight. I strong. Yeah. <laughs> <Strong>. <laughs> Don't mess so, around. So that means I it is it is very difficult for me to be fake. It's very difficult for me to sugarcoat or beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are lots of times where that in and of itself is alarming mm-hmm. to Lots of white That's people. Right. That's um, right. There's times that it has scared my mother how much I, I speak up. Like, mm-hmm. like even in the development of this podcast, mm-hmm. I was telling her some of the things that we plan to talk about, some of the things we plan to get into, and she was like, okay, well, I'll be praying for it, but be careful. Mm. <laughs> be careful. Oh. And she wasn't saying it like, you know, you know, in, in any malicious kind of way, mm. but she just knew the kind of fire that comes from when black people are honest. Mm. And yep. she knows that if she would have been this honest when she was my age, yeah. who knows what would have happened. Wow. Mm. You That's know, good. and so she's saying that from, you know, 60 years mm-hmm. of of knowing I can't speak out to that degree. So mm-hmm. I, I'm fearful for my child who is about to try, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, and then the other half is like, if there are any black women listening to this and you feel, you empathize with 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 our words, with my words, mm-hmm. um, please know that your anger is not um, an obstruction yeah. to people's understanding of you. Yeah, that's good. Um, and it's not in any way unwelcome because it's valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Can you add to that, Trace? Yeah, I think um, a little bit different from Persia. I'm a one, so I I gotta do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if I do it right, I did it wrong. So (laughs) I think through what it is that I say before I say it, and sometimes that filters um, some rightful anger that I feel like I I do have. Um, And so I think what even as we talk about this conversation, like what. God has been showing me an understanding. It's like, man, I actually don't need to suppress my anger to be heard and valued. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, sure, my anger might come off a little bit different than Persia's, Mm -hmm. but I still am angry. Mm -hmm. And I want Mm -hmm. to be able to express that rightly without having the burden of thinking, man, people think that Tracy is an angry black woman and no longer do I want to hear her voice um, speak to things that matter. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the understanding that I'm going through. It's like, man, I don't need to suppress anything that is true of what I'm feeling in order to feel valued in it. Yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah, and me, so since we're going around telling Enneagram numbers, (laughs) (laughs) let me go ahead and get mine. Uh, So I'm a a three, you know, I'm an achiever, you know, I do all the things, I got to get it. Uh, Oh, I already got juggling 10 things, give me 11, you know, give me 12, I'm going to do it all. it don't really matter, you know. So, uh, yeah, that that's that, that's me. And so, when when I think about the angry black man trope, there's a 
there's a unique dynamic, um, especially with the with the you know how I'm how I'm perceived in America, how black men are perceived in America, mm-hmm. the, the the threat yeah. <laughs> that is that is thrust upon us, you know, and so it's it's really it's it's really hard for me to really express anything mm. in anger, mm. right? I am not a small man. If you know me, <laughs> um, I'm 6'8", you know, upward of 260 pounds, all right? right? And so it's like, way. you know I what I mean? Hey, letting it, letting it all hang out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you Im- imagine imagine that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so there's... There's, there's kind of, and I'm not really an angry person anyway by, yeah. by nature. I know, yeah. I know, Purge is out here, and and, and, and she, <laughs> she yeah. let it all hang out. She ain't, she don't care, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, but there's a, but there's a different approach. Like my, my anger comes out in uh, my willingness to just literally speak, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that I've had to come into just over the course of the last few years. Is like, man, this anger I feel bottled up inside me. Mm. I don't have to hold on to that. I yeah. don't have to pretend like I'm not feeling this, yeah. right? And so I don't need to lash out at people, yep. but I got to let let it be known mm-hmm. what this is, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that's been really helpful for me over the course of these years, man, to just really uh, come into my own and, and and being able to articulate some of those things. That's good. Mm-hmm. And so I think that'll be good for us to, to, to transition into, you know, just talking about anger from a biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. When we... When we think of anger and we think of not being angry, right? The the fear of being angry even. <laughs> Nobody wants to be angry. If you're a Christian, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be angry. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and so this is kind of that stereotype of the Christian person is Christians are nice, Christians are loving, Christians are mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think there's there's a there's something in there. There's something in uh, the ability to actually be a Christian. And be angry, right? The Bible says, "Be angry, but don't sin." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, the the question isn't, "Should we be angry? Can we be angry?" But what are we to be angry about? Mm. And I believe the answer to that is, we are actually called to be angry at the things that anger God, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, we we have to be mm-hmm. if we're to be the outpost that we're called to be for Christ, uh, we have to stand for something, mm-hmm. you know? And if we're standing for something, we're standing against other things, right? And I, and I think it's it's okay to 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 express a little bit of that anger um, without sinning. And so there's there's a little bit of difference here between uh, just being angry for, for anger's sake mm-hmm. and this idea of righteous anger. Yeah. Right, so when we think about this idea of righteous anger, I kind of want to talk about what this looks like. Righteous anger means that we're seeking restoration. Mm-hmm. You know, righteous anger isn't this type of anger that goes out and just leaves this brokenness, mm-hmm. leaves things just sitting in the air. Mm-hmm. Right, there's this reconciliatory aspect to righteous anger. Mm-hmm. You know, it seeks this type of restoration. So even if even if you go in with the conversation and you're a Christian and, and you and you air your grievances and you have this conversation, the goal in that conversation or in that in that encounter mm-hmm. isn't to leave being right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. your goal in that encounter and that conversation is to leave feeling restored, mm-hmm. to leave feeling like you you've been brought back in the right relationship. And so, so on the contrary, unrighteous anger seeks destruction. Mm-hmm. 
You know, if if we're if we're going to be angry, and and if, and if we're going to talk about the liberty to be angry when it comes to expressing who we are fully, mm-hmm. uh, we've got to understand the responsibility in that, mm-hmm. right? We we can't we can't come into that thinking, yo, I'm going to come in here and and wreck ship and be destructive, mm-hmm. uh, which. I can personally attest to. I can. I can feel that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my desire as a human to be mm-hmm. right will come in and mess this all up, mm-hmm. and it'll be unrighteous anger, mm-hmm. right? But man, mm-hmm. I I desire reconciliation. I desire number one to be right with God, and number yeah. two to be right with others. And so yeah. to have that, uh, this may be another burden, but we have to steward that that anger That's well. Good. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think, um, you know, it's it's when we think about this idea of righteous anger, it's. It's okay to have righteous anger, but it's not okay to sin, mm-hmm. right? Um, righteous anger has to be, has to actually be uh, deployed on sin, right? So if your concern is primarily about the offense against God, mm-hmm. then that's an example of righteous anger, right? Uh, if so, to put that into perspective, if we're articulating, we're feeling like, man, we we're walking around in eggshells, not really feeling like we can be who God has made us to be. Mm-hmm. There's an affront on the Imago Dei, <laughs> so to speak, in that, right? And so that is actually the offense against God is that, that we don't feel the freedom to actually be who God has made us to be. And so we can, we can be angry at that, mm-hmm. right? But we also have to shepherd that well and help people see, uh, uh, man, what, what that means for us, mm. right? We can also express it if it's expressed in line with Christian character, Mm-hmm. Right and and this idea of of mourning, not holding it against people, knowing that we could do the very same thing mm-hmm. <laughs> in a different context mm-hmm. to others around us. Right, mourning over uh, uh, that that this is actually happening, as opposed to pointing fingers. Right, we can we can do it if it's in line with comfort and joy and praise and with action. Mm-hmm. Right, one of the ways I think that I've expressed my anger in some of this is actually banding with y'all and yeah. starting this thing called the ambassador. Yeah. Banding with y'all and starting this thing called the cookout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we'll talk about the cookout some other podcast. <laughs> shout out to the cookout. Shout out to shout the cookout. Out. What is no, good? We'll see you. I know Jawan, I want to shout out to Jawan. Shout out to Jawan. Just as general. general. What's up? What's good? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so those are the kind of things that we can do, you know. And I, I love the idea of using anger uh, to be productive, mm-hmm. you know, to to do stuff like this because this is this is super inviting, um, and it doesn't allow us to be in this kind of echo chamber and, and bask mm-hmm. in our anger, but it allows us to actually invite people into this, and we can have this type of conversation. And so, yeah, as we as we talk more about this, man, Purge, I want you to talk about God's heart against mm-hmm. like. Um, uh, oppression and mm-hmm. injustice uh, as we have to continue this conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, one, uh, I, I, I think it's important to state that for me, the fight for justice, the fight for equity, equality, reconciliation, all, all of those um, causes as a black person, it can feel so... <sighs> Treacherous, like mm-hmm. you can feel like such a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, a, a pastor I really, really respect in 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 Lubbock, where I came from, he once said that no one is more long suffering than God. Wow, mm-hmm. that's good. Um, and I, I would add to that that no one is more passionate about justice than mm-hmm. God. Yeah. yeah. 
And so that is first and foremost a deep comfort to me mm-hmm. because it, it it can feel like, man, as a 26-year-old, I feel like I've been waiting forever for people to really see that black people are hurting and struggling, but no one has seen that for longer than God and no one has been more in it with us mm-hmm. than our creator. Yeah. Um, Two, I think it's super necessary to lament or or cry out um, and to lament, uh, to quote another really awesome pastor, Mark Vance, he says that mm-hmm. it, it means mm-hmm. to have both brutal honesty wow. toward God and those around you about what's going on in your life, but then also to have faith-filled hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we lament fully now because we know that we will rejo- rejoice fully later. I think that's really important to to have honest lament now because you know that you your your hope is secure in Christ yep. uh, in an eternal sense. And then finally, the biblical basis for all of this, like why should we pursue this? Yeah. For me, it is definitely found in Micah six eight, which I've I've talked about a little bit before. Um, and that is the the words from from the prophet Micah um, saying that we are called to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Mm-hmm. Do justice. That doesn't mean we're going to pray for it. We're going to like blog about it. We're going to you know passively <laughs> hope somebody else does it, mm-hmm. or or you know hope that it gets done. Yeah. We don't hope for justice. We do justice. It is an active endeavor. And then we love mercy. We love the fact that we've been forgiven mm-hmm. by a good, gracious, powerful God. Yeah. We love mercy and mm-hmm. we pursue to give it to others because yeah. it's been given to us. And then yeah. we walk humbly with our God knowing that he's walking with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's just that, that, that verse, but then that book as a whole um, speak to me very tangibly about mm-hmm. justice and about the hope genuinely that I have, that we have in Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Yeah. And I think like the radical call for solidarity against racism begins with Christ. I mean, that's the first and foremost. We can't even talk about what uh, justice looks like without Jesus at the center of it. And so um, before we even jump into what does it look like for human beings, flawed human beings to to face this and actually do it biblically comes from being people who are rooted in Jesus. Um, and so I think as believers, the, the step into that is to, yeah, acknowledge that it's Christ alone, that we need him to do anything, but then to, to do introspection, to ask God, like what Psalm 139 says, to, to search us, to see if there's any flawed parts in this. And this is uncomfortable because it's asking literally God to reveal to us our sin, our brokenness, our messiness, so that then he can actually call us out of that towards repentance. I think repentance is the next step towards, yeah, God, I, I see what I'm running towards now. I yeah. see the sin that I was passive in, the sin that I allowed to continue uh-huh. on, the ways that I and didn't complicit. do justice. Yeah. And now I'm asking for you to be the one that leads me away from that. Repent, turn away, and turn turn towards our God wow. um, who's faithful to actually forgive. That's that mercy part that you're talking about, Persia, that he's actually faithful. That gives the confidence to turn from that sin that's broken and messy mm-hmm. and turn for the one that can only create in us wholeness. Um, and, you know, we all know sanctification is a 
a hard process. <laughs> yeah. Like it's beautiful yeah. because we yeah. we look more like Jesus. That's, That's a hope right. for all of us. That's right. But it's painful yeah. Yeah. to That's abide right. in Jesus. John Amen. 15 is painful Amen. because it's cutting off the dead parts of us so that we may be more alive in Jesus. Um, and I think the next part is listening. We see Jesus validating the existence of human beings throughout scripture, validating the existence of us as he calls us near um, and so I think we need to be people that are slow to speak and quick to listen, to acknowledge and honor and value people, yeah. our black brothers and sisters to value them and hear them out, to hear their anger, not to tone police them, but to hear mm-hmm. rightly. Good. Um, and then at the same time, asking through the spirit to have action. Good. What does that look like to do all those things rightly? Amazing. That's, that's great, Tracy. Uh, man, those, <laughs> those four pillars, mm-hmm. right? You, you articulated those so greatly. Uh, the introspection, the repentance, the listening, and then the action. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in so many of the circles right now, man, the the listening mm-hmm. I think is highlighted as it should be, mm-hmm. but maybe prematurely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, I I love that there's now a, a a call and a desire amongst our majority brothers and sisters to listen, mm-hmm. a desire to listen. That's beautiful. Um, but the we can't bypass mm-hmm. the introspection. We have to look inside. We have to see where we've been complicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the repentance mm-hmm. aspect, you know, um, you don't have to only repent of overt action. You can also <laughs> repent of implicit, you know, yeah. uh, covert yeah. action. Yeah. And so be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Look into that, right? And then you listen. And now when you listen, a lot of the times when people listen, the, the, the end of that conversation is, what can I do? Mm. And I'm convinced that we have to start getting away from this question of what can I do and more so, what am I willing to do? Mm-hmm. What am I willing to do? And we can't get to that question until we've actually been introspective, yeah. until we've repented, yep. and then we listen. Mm-hmm. Because, because it, it, it's not on, now the focus isn't on some issue that's out there yeah. that I want to go get to, I want to go fix. Mm-hmm. Um, I've addressed it somewhere that's really personal first. Mm-hmm. And then now when I listen, I'm, I'm, I'm able to say, okay, I don't need to know what I can do. I can actually walk in, 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 in true honesty, you know, mm-hmm. and, and do things here on my own. Uh, and then we get into that spirit-driven action mm-hmm. because of that, man. This is so good, Trace. Thank you. Um, I think racism, honestly, man, and, and just this racial division in America is something worth being angry about. Mm-hmm. I think we proved that on this podcast. And so in, in reality, a positive that I've seen is that people are really starting to see this and agree with this. In some of the circles I find myself in, I'm starting to hear and pick up on the anger and the discontent that they're having with the status quo and the perpetuation of racism and racial bias and the injustice and the oppression that happened because of it. So even in my anger, even in our anger, in our sadness and our anxieties, uh, I mean, I've been able to find hope in what at least seems like a mild awakening, (laughs) you know, an awakening that I hope is a lasting awakening. It has dramatic impact and we can pray for that. And so look, uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the ambassador podcast, Persia and Tracy, you guys have been great. I'm looking forward to discussing more topics in the coming weeks. We hope for you listeners that this has been a helpful resource and we encourage you to visit our website at www.weareambassador.com where we'll be uh, continuing to upload more uh, content there, a consistent stream of resources for you to all dive into. If you guys have any questions or concerns, 
uh, sign up for our newsletter. We're getting that ready where you'll be receiving frequent updates and an opportunity to send uh, in questions or pursue conversation with us. So uh, we just want to thank you again. Thanks for listening. Uh, We love you guys and we'll be back soon. Bye. Dope. Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www.weareambassador.com.